Hello and welcome to the Steadfast Collective podcast. I'm Pete Heslop, uh, founder of Steadfast Collective. We're a digital product studio based on the south coast of England. Uh, we're meeting with founders and creatives from all over the world to chat about three lessons they learned during starting up. And today we're joined by Lee. Say Hi, everybody. Hey. Sweet. So, um, Lee, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a bit about what you do and what you're up to. Sure. So I'm a developer from rural British Columbia, Canada, and I build products for myself and for corporations all around the world. And more recently, I've been helping other developers and solo founders to help market and sell their own products online. Nice. So we originally met back in the days of Pancake App. Uh, we were a client of yours. Uh, Pancake was a it was like an accounting, billing, invoicing type system, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, project management, time tracking, invoicing, all those sorts of things. That was a while ago. So, yeah, that was a while ago. So, so when did you when did you start Pancake um, and kind of when did you sell that and kind of move on to, to kind of new pastures? Sure. So I started Pancake back in like, I think it was like 2009, somewhere in there. Feels like yeah. millennia ago. Uh, just cause I had to solve a need of my own. So it was basically just myself. And then I started sharing it with other developers and designers that I knew. And eventually it grew to like more than 6,000 customers when I sold it in 2014. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Fifth and then, um, 2014. And then since then you've, you've obviously, like you said, you, you, you've, well, you did some traveling and then you, um, also have been, starting up new projects, working with clients. Um, and there seems to be, so, so your, your, your company you kind of work from is 7am and your angle seems to be a lot, you know, is there's more than just a website. There's, there's, you know, copy involved and the sales and it's more, you, you're not kind of in the, from, you know, from what I, I know of you, Lee, you're not really in the business of kind of just whacking up someone on a website and then kind of leaving them to it. There's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah. I, I'm actually the least proponent of a website web developer. I don't even call myself a web developer if we're yeah. totally transparent. I think a, a website's probably the last, for most businesses, the last thing they should be worried about. It's everything else that goes into their marketing that gets them to having a sale. Their website is like the very last step. So yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't usually push people to build big, massive websites. I, I want to help people convert on those people that they do end up getting to their site. It's good. Sort of a weird good. position. Yeah, no, it's it, it's no, it, it's it's important. Um, you know, we see time after time, um, clients who who kind of come to us and and you know they think they want a new website and that kind of stuff. Where realistically, they probably just haven't really thought about what they've already got or or what their needs are. They just kind of think that throwing up a new website is going to solve all, all their problems. Um, and, and that is kind of a, a one-stop solution. Yeah. I sort of attribute it often for businesses to that their websites, that of their building that their business exists within. And it's, okay. it's not as important as they often think it is. So if you ran a retail store and you were getting two or three people through your doors every day and making maybe one sale out of that a week, you wouldn't think, well, hey, we have to build a new building. We, You'd think, well, how do we get more people to our building? How do we raise our awareness in our community? How do we do all of that? 
So it's not, well, we need to build a new building. And if we would have put windows on this side of the building, people would have seen it and it would have looked like the other buildings around and they would have come in. They realize that that's not the problem for them. We need to have that carry over to people's websites as well. It's nice. not that you need a yeah. new one. It's that your website needs some love given to it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go through um, three lessons that you've you've thought of that you have over your years of experience of growing businesses, selling businesses, and helping others um, grow their businesses. So why don't we kick things off with your first one? Um, why don't you introduce it, and we'll we'll see where it goes. So the first one that I have is like one of the ones that took me the longest to get over, and it's don't be afraid to fail publicly. What, what I find happens for a lot of people is that they're so worried about everything being perfect that they never tell anybody about it. So then yeah. when it does fail, they fail alone and they fail in silence, but they never really gave themselves an opportunity to be at the right place at the right time with their product in front of the right people because they never told anybody about it. And solo developers and founders are very guilty of this. I myself incredibly guilty of it that there's always one more feature or there's always one more function or style change or whatever that I want to add before I tell anybody about it. And then there's going to be one more and then there's going to be one more because we're so afraid that if we put it out there and it doesn't work, it's going to be embarrassing. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really good point. That's, that's, that's a great point. And, you know, I've, I've met people in the past who, they haven't even told their their friends or family they're even working on this thing. Um, and they kind of have it on their, potentially just like their little Twitter following or, or maybe in like a, a private Slack group that they'll post it out. But they haven't really told, they haven't really, you know, spread the net wide. And that's because they're, they're worried about, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, just failing, failing publicly. And it is, it's a difficult one to get over because, you know, so I originally started working for myself because uh, me and a group of friends, we decided to build an app. Um, and it, it, like most apps, it, it didn't work. We had a big old bank loan to, to pay off and we had um, we had to basically start an agency to pay off that loan. And um, it, it's, it's a strange one because people would obviously constantly come up to you and asking, you know, how's the app? How's it going? And you just got to be real with people. But it is, it, it is really weird because it does become your life, but you know, if, say, say you're sh shipping a, a big product for you and you invest a lot of time and money into it, then it is, it's very personal to you and it, it can be very daunting to, to throw that out there and, and get that kind of often brutal feedback. When, when you guys were doing that and you're telling people about it and they're coming up to you and asking you about it, was anybody ever asking negatively? No, we, we got really good feedback. Um, I think I think the, the the questioning got more difficult when stuff wasn't going well. Uh, we weren't seeing the uptake on the app that we needed to see, um, and ultimately we had to close the app. And people were still asking. Kind of a year later, um, it came up in my best man speech. I think which was you know like three four years after we launched the app, and um, yeah, it, it's one of those things that kind of still will pop up. People, every so often still ask you how the app's going and you're thinking, well, that was, that was like six years ago now. Um, but yeah. Well, people want to help, right? It's mm. just human nature. And if you tell people about where you're at and how you're struggling, it gives them an opportunity to 
lean on something that they may know to help you. They might know somebody to make an introduction, or they just might tell somebody about it and just say, hey, you know, my friend's running this. You should go take a look at it. And these these are the sort of interactions that you need, but you'll never get if you don't tell anybody about it. Yeah, de- definitely. And, and also, uh, along with that kind of telling people and, and shipping, what's your experience been like in um, shipping early? Have you ever found... I think I already know the answer to this question, but have you ever found that you ever shipped anything too early that it just wasn't ready and that the feedback was this product isn't ready or is, is that never been a problem for you? I ship stuff really early. Like there's that old adage of if you're not embarrassed by what you put out, you ship too late, okay. but that's not my driving force for it. I found over the years that, the earlier I ship it, the earlier I can get real feedback and start getting to product market fit faster. Hmm. What, And this kind of takes me to point two of no one is going to give you grief, so stop making up arguments in your head or fake scenarios. I find people do that a lot, especially when they're shipping something early. They, they think, well, if I put this out now, people are going to people are going to flame it on Twitter or, you know, there's going to be an article written about how terrible it is or all that sort of stuff. And it's not, it's not accurate. People aren't going to say anything about an early product unless you have millions and millions of followers. Yeah. You might get the odd person who's going to say it's crap, but if you wait till the end, you might still get that same person who says it crap. And that person just needs a hug and has other things going on in their life. Maybe extra coffee. Yeah. So if you ship it early, then you save yourself missing an opportunity where you went down one path when somebody was sitting there ready to tell you exactly what they need and you would have been early enough in your product to solve that pain point. Hmm. That's good. Have you, have you read um, Rework by the, by the Basecamp team? I think I have three copies of it. And yeah, we have totally like office. Titanic for me. I've never read it all the way through. Okay, amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a few copies, and, and I think last Christmas we gave away a bunch of copies to our our um, our clients. But um, there's there's a th- I'm pretty sure it's in rework. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in rework where um, they chat about they when they when they first launched their their product, they couldn't even take payment they had they knew they had a 30 every everyone had a 30-day free trial so they shipped and then during that 30 days they then built the billing system right um which i just love i i love that thing that this isn't a problem yet so let's fix that when it becomes a problem um it was more important for them to get it out in front of people's faces than worry about a problem which hasn't yet happened and for them it obviously was going to happen but you know it's, it's easy as as developers and as you know, creators to try to fix theoretical problems that just don't exist. Um, And quite often we're trying to fix them for that one person we've got in the back of our minds that probably will give it a go and and you want to kind of accommodate them, but really, you know, they're not your target audience. And it's, it's easy to kind of get off trail where I think by, you know, the, the advice of, you know, getting out there, shipping early and shipping regularly means that you can continually, improve and, and, and get feedback along the way because there's nothing worse than shipping something that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. Which and gets you back to the point one of failing yeah, exactly. publicly, but you can avoid that by giving a little more attention to 
where you're at with putting your product in front of people early. Yeah, definitely. And, and it gives you, it gives you, um, by getting out there early, it means that you can, you know, you can pivot and you can do all those things without spending hundreds and how, hundreds of hours of say dev time. Um, it, you know, it, it minimizes that risk. I feel, although, you know, you risk, you know, someone on Twitter saying something mean, but Twitter's a mean place anyway. But, you know, what would you rather, a couple of mean tweets or wasting hundreds of hours of dev time? I know what I'd rather, so. Do you want to, want to hear something funny? One of the biggest yeah, sure. things I miss after selling Pancake was that nobody gets mad at me anymore. And <laughs> it it's something that I didn't think I would ever miss it. I thought, you know, this would be the greatest thing, but when nobody cares enough about your product to get mad, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. So when you put something out and you don't have anybody get mad at you, after you've become accustomed to knowing that decisions that you make affect how people use and enjoy your product, yeah. you miss that. So for me, yeah. negative feedback is not a bad thing. That means that somebody out there cares enough about what I was either putting out, what they were expecting it to be, or what it has been for them to be vocal about the change that I made. So don't don't feel bad when you do get negative feedback. That just means that somebody cares in a way. Do you, I'm guessing you um, you don't miss the daily grind of uh, support tickets. Gosh, no. Uh, yeah, so so with, with Tap, our WordPress hosting company, uh, support tickets are obviously vital, you know, to keep everyone keep everyone happy. But it's such a grind sometimes. Um, it's such a grind. I um, I say that I sold the golden goose because I didn't like its attitude, and okay. <laughs> that that was pancake for me. Was the support tickets like I used to get up. And the first thing I do is open my inbox and there'd be, you know, four or 500 emails that I had to sort of sort through and yeah. it just, it grinds on you. It's not what I wanted to do. So we, we used, um, intercom, which is like a live chat thing, which is amazing for our customers. But it, what it does mean is that they, because it's live chat, they expect immediate results where when you send a, su- a support ticket, um, everyone's like, oh, it might take a few hours or even a few days to get back to me. But with live chat, we can literally have people um, and they'll be in different time zones. So we're not even awake. And they'll be like, hello, hello, anybody there? Hello. And you're like, yep, I, I am here, but I've got other things to be doing. But um, but yeah, sometimes that can really grind. Um, I remember that. But some, sometimes it's great. You know, you get. we also get really good feedback for our support system, um, for our support tickets. So there's pros and cons. Yeah. Anytime you can interact with your customer, it's an opportunity to have a really good outcome for your product. It might not be the best outcome for your customer and it might not be the best outcome for yourself, but it can almost always be the best outcome for your product. If you look at it as you and your customer are discussing a change that needs to happen sometime either now or in the future with your product, and it might not make either of you happy right now, but it will help people in the future to be happier with where things are going. It's good. I mean, with, with pancake and tap, we were both, we're both in the, or you were in this weird position where, um, pancake was self-hosted, wasn't it? Yes. Was that the plan? Yeah. So a bit, a bit like us that you can't even 
like log in to their account. So we obviously, ours is hosting. So say somebody's site, they upload a dodgy plugin, they get a 500 error. We can go in and, and help them with that, but it's it's through a few barriers in the same way that I imagine when somebody's really messed up their in-store pancake, you literally had to get FTP details and try and walk them through it. And we have that same feeling where I imagine if you run a to-do list app, support's got to be easier than running support for a hosting company or a, a self-hosted product. Oh man, I was I was not having eye twitches or anything this morning, but uh, <laughs> I'm starting to remember those days. And uh, yeah, there there are some interesting times. It's it's always hard, but you still you look at it as this person gave you money for something. I probably provided way more support than anybody reasonably should ever have expected, but it's just who I was That's or right. am. And that's why you had so many customers. I try not to be in that position now, though. Like when it comes to making decisions that may result in a support request for myself or for my clients, like a lot of the apps I built for clients, we have to look at it from the side of what happens when things go wrong and what's the what's in place to support that. Because I don't want clients ever feeling like I was. So, that's yeah. Fair. That's fair. Okay, so what's the um, what's the so the second lesson? What was the title for your second lesson? Because we kind of skim through to it. Sure, no one is going to give you grief, so stop making up fake scenarios or arguments in your head over what people might say. It's good. It's good. Okay, um, and what is your third and final lesson you've got written down? My favorite and the most important one for any solo developer, founder, freelancer out there. Put as much, if not more, effort into sales than you do into building features for your product. Yeah, that's that's so that's so true. We, I think you're the third or maybe fourth person on the podcast to mention that sales has to come first. Um, and yeah, this it's, it's an incredible thing. And sales, I, I always feel needs to be a, a proactive thing rather than a reactive thing. It, it's not a, oh dear, the, the pipe's dry, let's do some sales. It's a sales as a continuous, everyday, always selling type type of attitude, I, I think. it's It goes even beyond selling. Like sales is, sales is as much about making your product attractive to your customer as it is conveying that your product solves a real pain and identifying what that pain is so that when your customer who has that pain arrives, it resonates with them immediately and helping to convey that. When I say sales is important, though I do mean, you know, pick up the phone, call people, tell people about it, cold call potential customers. I also mean like pay attention to how things are laid out on your site get really good at knowing how customers interact with properly built sales sites and funnels so that you know that when you make this change, you're putting yourself in the best position possible to make a sale. And mm -hmm. I see this all the time because like I, I make it a point to help other people with this now. They'll have beautiful products. Their products will be fantastic. They'll solve a real pain and a real problem. And then you get to their site and it's, a couple changes made to the stock bootstrap CSS and it's got every feature that they have listed 
in their app. They have it listed on their homepage and it talks about every single possible thing the app might do because they, they're not salespeople. They're, they don't know when to stop talking when it comes to making the sale. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that people mistake as sales is putting too much information out there because you think you're trying to solve that process for them. So how, how do you find when you're working for clients or for yourself that you mentioned um, kind of convey the problem you're solving uh, more so than, you know, every feature under the sun your, your, your app does? How, how are you finding effective ways of conveying that? Are you finding it's, it's through copy, it's uh, copy, layout, video, you know, audio? Are you, is it a bit of everything? Or what would you say is the most important one that people can look at first? Oh, where to start? Um, I imagine you've bought a car. Most of your listeners have bought a car. When when you're in the process of buying a car, you realize that I need a new car because my current car isn't, you know, getting good enough gas mileage, it's breaking down, it's doing all these sorts of things. So I, I need to look at buying a new car. Mm-hmm. So you'll do some research, you'll sort of narrow down what you want for a car. And then you're going to go to a dealership and you're going to talk to a salesperson. I try to help people to understand that your selling of your product needs to be almost like a car salesman, except ignore all of those stereotypes you have in your head. If you walk into a dealership and you start talking to a salesperson and you say, I'm interested in this, they're going to ask you a handful of questions. They're going to be small, quick questions, but they just want to make sure that they're not wasting their time and they're not wasting your time. And then they're going to take you to the car that you're interested in that best fits your problems. And they're going to let you drive it. What most people do though, with their site is they sort of flip it around and it's like you walked into a car dealership and you said, I'm interested in this car. And they said, okay, cool. Let me go introduce you to the owner of the dealership. Let me take you over and show you our photo gallery of all of our cars that we have and all the cars that we sold over the years. And then let's go talk about that car. Here's all the cool things about the seats. And they're going to list off every feature they possibly have about it. And then they're going to tell you all the things that you should know about it. And in the end, you're going to leave thinking, oh, I've I've got lots to think about. When you came in wanting to buy and they put a whole bunch of questions into your head. And that's what a lot of people mistakenly do with their site is they tell people so much that they start giving people questions that they didn't even know they should think about for their, their sales process. And then they end up leaving with more questions than they had when they arrived. That's really interesting. And, um, so so you've been doing this for working with clients for people running always always online businesses, digital businesses. No, I help every, I help online. Like I do have a site that's focused just to people who are selling products, but then I also help retail and service-based businesses as well, because I have a, I have a bit of a, a soft spot in my heart for the small mom and pop business in these tiny communities all across North America that, you know, they're struggling to get by and could use some help. So I like helping them because adding an extra $10,000 a month of sales to their bottom line 
means that I get Christmas cards and thanked when I walk down the street and stuff like that. And it feels good. But the, the primary focus is helping people who have products and make sales from people arriving on their website and can actually convert there. So if you can take money on your website or you can get people to sign up for your product on your website, those are the types of people that I really enjoy helping. Nice. nice. So, so let's, let's, um, let's wrap it up and let's cover what the three, what the three were. So what were your three lessons? If you just want to listen through. Don't be afraid to fail publicly. Two is no one is going to give you grief. So stop making up arguments in your head or scenarios you think might happen. And the last one is put as much effort, if not more into sales as you do building features. Amazing. Um, before we sign off, do you want to tell us a little bit about where people can find you on the internet and where you call home? Sure. So I can be found at 7am.ca. That's my primary place. And most recently, I've been helping developers and founders build better sales pages at saleslove.io. Perfect. And you're also on Twitter tweeting every so often about snow and web apps and all sorts. So yelling at clouds, getting up early, all those sorts of things that, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm at lee.tengem and, uh, maybe you can link it in the notes cause no one can spell my last name. Makes sense. Cool. Well, I, um, appreciate your time, Lee. Um, and it's been great to get your insight from somebody who's been doing this for many, many years, um, and kind of has wisdom through the, uh, through the last 10 odd years of how this has been happening since, uh, since the early days of pancake. So yeah, appreciate your time. And, um, we will catch everybody next time on the next podcast. Thanks Pete. Bye everyone. Perfect. Cheers.